Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday, Takes on Takes edition of the show. Kyle, it just feels better saying Takes on Takes going with Tuesday. There's some good alliteration there. I know we've done it on Mondays the last couple of weeks, but I kind of like that Tuesday feel to that intro. So welcome. Yeah, yeah the, the alliteration is a soft spot for me yeah so it just rolls that way right it does tuesday it does and there you know and people the takes were great this week uh and a couple good uniform takes i appreciated those um so don't forget hit us up on twitter hashtag takes on takes at the joe marino at grinding the tape and uh don't make us solicit them because man when we solicit them Things get off the rails a lot of times with those replies. So organically think of takes, draft season, give them to us. We'll get to them on Tuesdays. Yeah, when you got to think of your boiling hot takes, they're, they just come out sour. Yeah, they're forced. They're bad. Yeah. Let them, let them come to you. It's like, a, it's like a good pass rush. It's organic. It's natural. That's right. Don't need to bring anything extra to it because then you're just trying too hard. Right we ready to dig into the takes? Yeah, yeah yep, yep, yep. I've got. I'm giving you the first one. I already know. I see it. I see it right here in front of me right now. All right. right. And this this take is from at grinding the tape. Oh, great! I don't even know what it is. Surprise, Joe! Surprise! All right. Uh, The best beef of 2019 will be the corn farmers versus Bud Light. Change my mind. Hashtag takes on takes. Oh, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. Man, that was funny seeing the corn, the corn Twitter. Like what? National corn. <laughs> national. Pe- more people. National corn. More people follow national corn than they do me on Twitter. I don't know what's going on with that. Oh, is that is that true for me too? Yeah, it is, brother. I, you hate. Are to you see sure? It. Are you sure? <laughs> they got like thirty five thousand followers. Oh, they've even got Ledyard beat then. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, it's not going to, we've, we, we've peaked, we've peaked in early February for the year. Um, all right. And they, to- they, they kept, they kept going by the Did way. They? Oh, wow. I haven't since followed up. They, uh, somebody K Ross farms, uh, posted a picture of what looks like him pouring a Bud Light down the sink. Uh, and national corn tweeted at them at Bud Light. We couldn't say it better. Hashtag your cut off. Hashtag dump dilly dilly. So now, now they've resorted to pouring Bud Light down the sink in protest because nothing is a more effective protest than flushing your own money down the toilet. And so the big thing here is that Coors Light and Miller Light use corn syrup in their beer. Yeah, Bud Light doesn't. Yes. Okay. 
Do you have a preference? If you have to pick one of these three beers, is there one that's the best for you? They all taste like a horse piss as far as I'm concerned. I did a taste. I was at a bar one time and did a taste swill. test. What it was swill. It's okay. swill. It's all I, swill. Please tell me you didn't do a taste test and picked one of these beers. Well, they were my – it was a taste test uh, and it was three options and it was those three options. Uh, you know which one I picked? Miller Lite. Why? I, because in the moment, it tasted the best. I don't know what to tell you. The, the, in the, I had like 12 people on my table. All of them picked the same one. It was all Miller Lite. So they gave us some free stuff, so it was kind of cool. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, here's one that only you can answer because you've done Amani Hooker's tape, and I haven't. So, oh. uh, Yeah, see, I was hopeful to get that reaction. This comes from Jared at Jared Baseball 9. Yo, Jared. No, we, were, we already talked to Jared about the baseball. Did we? Well, I was yeah. just triggered. We, we gave him a hard time already. All right. Don't He's give him a good, hard time. I enjoy He's interacting with you on film, uh, on Twitter, Jared. But Jared, baseball. Uh, okay, Amani Hooker, the Iowa safety, Kyle, will get underdrafted. And the team who takes him will be overjoyed with the value they get when he goes in year one, when he goes in in year one. Hashtag takes on takes. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get underdrafted for the future. Uh, just do me a favor. Don't delete the takes until oh, geez. I finish. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to pick through it. Um, I don't know if he gets underdrafted because it's a bad safety glass. Uh, you've got Nasir Adderley, Deontay Thompson. And after that, it's kind of uh, – these guys are all kind of flavors. It's, it really comes down to what specifically you're looking for. And Amani Hooker did his tape over the weekend. Uh, ben Finnell, who I'm a really big fan of, was was oozing over his tape. So I pulled it up and uh, – I think he's a day two player. Uh, I got a, a, a second round grade on Imani Hooker. He's not a rangy free uh, single high safety because he doesn't have a lot of range in that capacity to cover a ton of ground. But his footwork's really good. His football intelligence and route recognition skills are really good. When he's playing shallow zones and cover two, you see a lot of productive ball skills in those areas. And um, he's a Good tackler. He's not a great tackler, but he's a good tackler, and he's built really, really well. So I don't know if with a bad safety class, like I could see him going round two, like legit could. And it was a surprise that he left Iowa early this year. So that that suggests there may have been some positive feedback for him in the draft uh, um, committee. That's my take. All right. Thank you for bringing the take back up so I could work my way You're through welcome. it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Tate, take for you, Joe. Hashtag takes on takes. Mac Wilson is the best linebacker in the draft, but will go 20 to Pittsburgh because Devin White is overrated. I am happy to fight slash reason to you why this is correct. Now, I gave this to you for a reason. Go ahead and trigger me. Well, I, I don't know if my, Mac Wilson is the best linebacker in the draft. I still need to do a deep dive on his film and write up his report. What I do like about this take is I do think that Devin White is overrated. And this is where Kyle and I are going to fight. Uh, but um, even in my mock draft that I put out yesterday, a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, I wish the, the – the, several times the Steelers would have taken him. The, the Browns fans wanted him. The Bengals fans wanted him. Uh, even a Buccaneers fan said, hey, do you think the, at number – what are they, four or five, they should take – Consider Devin White in this spot. I, I like Devin White. I think he has all the physical ability to be a star in the NFL. He's thick. He's athletic. He he 
he covers ground, man. That play, that goal line play against Georgia, where he gets lateral and chases down DeAndre Swift uh, before he's able to get into the get to the pylon on the left side. There, it just rare burst, right? Love all those things. I just feel like he's got a lot of work to do in terms of that mental processing side. I thought there was growth from seventeen to eighteen, but there were just too many times where I felt like he, he was slow to process and it got him hung up in traffic and. Uh, sometimes he ran himself out of plays. A lot of times he just didn't account for like cutbacks. And I just felt like there was a lot of sloppiness with his fits. So I, I, I need that stuff to get better. And I don't know that it's going to right away. Um, and uh, for that reason, it pushes him down a little bit. So like, I, I think there's some, maybe some thoughts that maybe he's a Roquan Smith type player, a top 10 guy. And physically he probably is, but I just feel like there's a whole nother layer to his game that needs to improve before I can get comfortable with him in that range. Well, I'll tell you what, if you didn't like Devin White, then you're not going to like Mac Wilson. <laughs> because Mac and – no, I'm actually not even going to tell you. Uh, I like both of these guys, but your justification for having concerns with Devin White, I think you'll feel similarly about Mac Wilson. Fair enough. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's Feed my turn. One. Yeah, yeah I got to give you one here. All right, all right, all right. Um, okay, uh, this one's not really a uh, take. It's a question, but I like it. Uh, it comes from Ryan Thomas at Big Play Trey. Uh, do you think that Dalton Risner, being a 24-year-old rookie when the season starts, will cause him to fall down NFL draft boards? Listen, I think age can be a thing, but I don't necessarily know if age is a thing with offensive tackles quite so much, right? Like the concern with age is running backs, their shelf life is very short, or wide receivers, by the time they mentally adjust to the game, if they're too old, they're outside their physical peak already. And offensive tackles, especially polished offensive tackles like Dalton Reisner, I I don't think that that's necessarily something that I would 
pump the brakes on it do nfl teams maybe some but i don't think it's anywhere near as big of an issue as, as if he played other positions uh San Diego Pete 73 hashtag takes on takes. He hit the draft network LLC account as well, which deserves big props with the, the adding for the take Canes, Jaquan Johnson and Gerald Willis will dramatically outproduce others drafted higher at their position. So the question really just comes down to, are you a fan of those guys? Yeah. Uh, I like things about both players. Uh, I do think that there's limitations with both players. Jaquan Johnson, like people rave about his you know, football character and work ethic and those types of things, and that's great. And I think he'll probably be a good special teams player. I think he has some good a role in sub packages, but I don't necessarily think he has the coverage processing skills. I don't think he has great ball skills. So for him to be really a productive starting caliber type player, you think he has to grow in those areas. And I'm not sure like what his ceiling is to get a lot better. I think he'll be a good sub player, good special teams player. Gerald Willis, man, he he's so up and down on tape. Uh, really impressive moments, like how he turned his career around this year, had a good statistical season, can get into the backfield a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I, in terms of thinking of him drastically out, drastically was the take there, out producing others drafted higher at their position. You're talking about guys like Quinn and Williams and Ed Oliver, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, the, the Clemson kids, man. I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Gerald Willis will probably be round three, round four type guy, and he'll probably produce – in a rotation like you would expect from a guy taking that range. So um, I, I feel comfortable with the valuation of those guys. I feel comfortable thinking about where the, the league will take them. And I, I'm not sure that they're – I think they'll be good role players in the NFL, but I don't see, like, starters that were, like, you're, you think really deserve to go higher when we look back uh, at the uh, course of events. Uh, Kyle, okay, this one comes from Adam Huddle. I like this one. He says, Josh Allen is the same player as Bud Dupree coming out of Kentucky. Hashtag takes on takes. Parentheses. I actually have no idea if this is true, but it seems like a good hot take to get someone triggered. Uh, won't be me. Uh, <laughs> not because it's true, but you're just not going to get me. You know, I can't be gotten any worse than I got when the Pats won the Super Bowl on Sunday. So uh, Josh Allen is more flexible in the lower half, brings a little bit more of a pass rush plan than what Bud Dupree did coming out of Kentucky. Uh, but from a size explosiveness perspective, that's relevant. And uh, I think Allen's a little bit better in space as well. So I'm going to keep that one short, Joe, because we got a lot of takes yet. Yep, yep. Uh, Riley Osborne Hudson takes on takes. Jeffrey Simmons won't go day one. Yeah, I agree with this. Uh, not that he, he doesn't deserve to go round one and that he's a talented player that can be a wrecking ball on the interior. Good technique. I like him. Good, good football player. I do. You know, it was you and I. We had a discussion about this, and whether whatever you want to make of his off the field thing with the situation with the domestic abuse on the woman there, it's not the type of thing that I think a team will be comfortable with. Whether he's a change man, whether all of his character checks out, you can get glowing endorsements about the guy. It's not the guy that you can draft in the first round and have him be the headliner of your class. Now, you can do it in day two and hide him in a day two and pick somebody else in the first round. I get that. I, I, I believe that is true. But I do think this will be a, a, a cause, whether whether he's a change man or not, whether the, whatever the context is, he did it, it's on tape, and people are going to be swayed against him. This is just like the Joe Mixon situation. That was a credit to you. You brought that up. It's a, one of those things where first-round caliber player, they're not going to let him be the headliner of their class. Yeah, it's uh, it's an ugly incident too. 
So, I mean, from from all reports of what you hear, you know, it was an isolated incident, and apparently the woman involved had gotten physical with a family member of his or something like that. Yeah. But uh, lines were crossed, and ultimately that video is going to come out again at some point. Like, it's out there on the internet, and it's just a matter of time before, like, hey, the draft process is, like, pretty far along. Like, people are talking about this Jeffrey Simmons. Like, a guy can't even win a freaking golf tournament or whatever. <sighs> And people are bringing out like tweets from five years ago, you know, like it's just a matter of time before this gets pushed back in the limelight and people are going to be upset when they see it. Yep. For sure. Uh, Okay. Here's one for you. This one comes from Charlie Gross or Rob. Yeah. Gross. Right. Uh, Rashawn Gary will be a draft bust due to his being drafted in the first round based on winning the combine and teams overlooking his laziness and poor effort in games. Listen, like Rashawn's got, Great potential. Uh, if you're talking about Rayshon in the top five, where you see him mocked a lot of the times, then yeah, I'm going to have a hard time getting on board with that. I don't think he'll perform to that level. But um, he has a really solid foundation as a football player as far as his ability to stack blockers at the point of attack and the explosiveness that he does illustrate. Some of that has a long way to go yet. So yeah, I mean... If he's drafted in the 20s, the late 20s, I feel very different about it than what I do if he's drafted like in the top five. But if he's drafted in the top five, I have a hard time seeing him kind of meet that hype. Uh, Bills take, it's for you. Die Summers, hashtag takes on takes. If the Bills don't trade back, they will ignore the offense in round one and take a defensive end. Yeah, you know, I, I think if the Bills were to not go offense in the first round, I don't think it's going to be a defensive end, to be honest with you. I think it'll be a defensive tackle where, uh, you, you know, you think about Sean McDermott and his good defenses in Carolina. They had Kawan Short. They had that wrecking ball defensive tackle. And so I think that the Bills would look at an interior guy, maybe at Oliver. You could see the Bills really liking Wait, Christian Ed's, Wilkins. Ed's an inside linebacker. Yeah, we're going to get to that. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just setting the table. <laughs> so, yeah, I think if the Bills went defensive, it would be on the, on the defensive interior, not necessarily – on the edges. That's just my take. Um, all right, Kyle, this one comes from intangibles NFL pod. Matt Stafford is the best, excuse me. Matt Stafford is the worst quote unquote, best quarterback ever. What I mean is look at Ebron in Detroit and then Indy Stafford is so talent talented. Yet his teams and the players around him seem to play below expectations. Hashtag takes on takes. So I guess depending on the framing, I could agree with this, right? Like Stafford's got great physical tools. He puts production out there, but how much of that is hollow? The Ebron thing, I mean, look, some offenses just really aren't catered to to work tight ends. And, you know, that's that's a coaching issue more than anything. I don't think Stafford neglected Ebron. Um Stafford's okay for me. I don't think he's the worst. Like, I don't know who's calling him the best at anything, you know, like even if you go off a talent. So I I see where you're going in tangibles, but I I can't get totally on board because I think the Ebron points more coaching and offensive scheme than anything else. And his own development as a player, right? Right. Yeah. Like tight ends is an area that's that's kind of taken for granted as far as the developmental curve for a lot of these guys. And then I, I just don't think Stafford's really put in that conversation at all, unless you're looking at strictly speaking, just like passing yardage. Yeah. Uh, a couple uniform. T- we're going to save the uniform takes. We got uh, Riley Osborne Hudson for you again, Joe hashtag takes on takes. Terrell Hanks will be the 2019 Darius Leonard, man. Um, 
The answer is no. No, he won't be. Have you done his tape no. deck, Al? Have you done? I've seen enough of him. Okay. Yeah. I haven't him up yet. Uh, Terrell Hanks, he's li- he's likable in some ways. I mean, first of all, I mean, the most chiseled dude at the Senior Bowl. That's for sure. Um, good size, terrific athlete, can cover space. Converted up from safety this past year. Played linebacker. Played a lot as an overhang type guy. Um just he's got a lot of work to do i mean i mean i have concerns about the processing skills of devin white like take those times 100 and and put them on terrell hanks i mean just a guy that's one of your phrases that i like a lot is dog he's a dog chasing cars man and he is that a lot so he's got a lot of technical work i think he's got a lot of mental work i think he's got a ceiling based on his athletic ability but like he i mean darius leonard stepped in right away and became one of the best linebackers in the game like i don't think i don't think terrell hanks is ready to do that in 2019 at all This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Uh, I guess we should probably do some of these uniform takes, right? Let's go uni, Texans, other uni, and save Lance for last. All right. Um, no okay, pressure. This, yeah, no pressure. No, th- this one's for I'll go with Jason Willis for you. Every team in the NFL should wear throwback uniforms for an entire season, as well as using their throwback logos. Oh, boy. I'm trying to think of a team that this wouldn't be applicable for. Like – the Steelers bumblebee uniforms are trash. So shoot them into the sun. And on that same rocket, you can put what do the Packers have like the yellow dot ones, right? Yep. Horrible. You know, which ones those are also awful. So I don't agree with every team, but if you're thinking about teams that should, the Miami dolphins absolutely should. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely should. Um, didn't the Atlanta Falcons used to have like red helmets and stuff? Yep, instead of love black. those. Yeah, no, yep. bring those back, please. Uh, the Patriots with uh, the Pat in the three point stance. Yep, and their red uniforms. I think they're alternatives now, but uh, they're a lot better. You can bring those back. Uh, creamsicles, creamsicles. The Chargers powder blues. Ch- uh, get, put those Oilers uniforms on somebody. I don't know if they're the Texans or the or the Titans, what? man. Get those are yeah. Good. Ti- I guess technically they they should belong in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, but so. I, those are low key pretty good. Yeah, I I think look I, for an entire season. Like I don't know about that, but I think why not? I, 
I mean, some of these teams should be using these full time. Sure. And that's that's fine. We can get into that debate. But like, I don't I don't know that I'm going to mandate the league to do it for an, an entire season. I think they should be part of the schedule every year on a couple of occasions. Right. But some of them can just go to burn and never return. Like yeah. Said, some, yeah. Some of those. Yeah. Bad. What about the? Didn't the Eagles have a, a terrible one too? They had like the Delaware helmets or whatever, or the Michigan helmets. Oh, really? On the one. I, yeah, I think the Jets uh, have a real bad one too. I mean, everything about the Jets is bad. Yeah. Hold on. So my producer, my producer's pulling up. My producer's pulling up. The Eagles Delaware? throwback uniforms. Yeah, McNabb and them weren't. It's like uh, I'm a DM it to you. I want okay. I want the reaction. All right. Uh, okay. In the meantime, uh, Alan Fisher has a take, Joe. Uh, the Texans should amass draft capital and upgrade their second round picks. They can improve the offensive line in the second round. They should use their first on TJ Hawkinson, who is a good blocker and an offensive threat. Hashtag takes on takes. I, I like Hawkinson a lot. I think he'd be a wonderful pick in the first round for any team because I, I've kind of tweeted this several times. I think that everybody wants to have a great tight end. Very few tight ends are actual difference makers. That's what you, Hawkinson projects is one of those those difference maker, game-changing type tight ends. Uh, he's got every quality of a classic throwback tight end, but he does all the things of a modern tight end where you can flex him out and have him block from anywhere and catch the football down the field at all three levels. Love him. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think does he get that far. Maybe it's kind of crazy, but I kind of think that that he won't be available in the twenties. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you almost have to get aggressive for him too. Yeah, I feel like. that, and I gave him. I gave him my mock draft. I gave him to the Packers at twelve, and like the Packers fans were like, "Wow, I wish maybe they could have got him at thirty two or whatever they're picking thirty with their other first round pick." I'm like, man, like I don't know, dude. Like, I think if you want him, you got to get him, and I, and he can be a true difference maker. So, yeah, I can get on board with the Texans getting him in the first round. I do think the depth of this offensive line group is really exciting, and I think you can get quality guys on day two. Here's the thing. Why are we messing around with this, man? Deshaun got sacked 62 times last year. It's not something that I'm willing to wait on unless I don't believe in any of the options there, but I have a feeling there's going to be a good offensive lineman that that Houston should take uh, just because that is such a pressing need, although I think Hawkinson would be a great addition. Um, so do you get you the get other DM? Uniform? Yeah. Oh, DM? here it is. Uh, I'm going to load it up. Google from Kyle Krabs. Oh, yeah. Redirect notice. Here we go. Uniform critics. Oh, really? <laughs> 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 this looks like. How bad are those? Oh, this this looks like the uniforms that that. This might be a stretch here, but do you remember? Do you ever watch Cheaper by the Dozen with Steve Martin? He coaches that team. Does it look like those, man? This doesn't look like an NFL team. This is how terrible are those? This is like bad high school uniform meets bad arena football uniform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the color scheme. Like, I think you can work with this color scheme, but I don't know. I just the way, helmets bad. The, the anytime you have like the contrasting colors with like the numbers and shoulder pads, and then like a different color for like the the base of the jersey. Horrible. Yeah. This was yeah. like the, it's the Eagles, and it's like yellow and baby blue. Just it's terrible. I never want to see those on the field ever again. Yeah, those are bad. Those can those can go to die somewhere, deservedly. I guess there's one more uniform take to get into here from the respected. Yeah, Mad we got to do we we got to do it quick. We yeah, all teams. Quick, and then we got to do Lance quick. We got to wrap yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All teams should be allowed to wear whatever of their jerseys they want at any time. No more have to wear plain white away jerseys or at most of your away games. 
Well, I think the home team should be able to pick whatever color combo they want, which I believe a lot of times is how it works. And then the opposing team, as long as there's no conflict in the colors, like I'm fine with that. Like I, this is an unpopular take, but I liked color rush. And a lot of those teams didn't necessarily have white. Some of the best ones were white because white's freaking awesome as far as uniforms when you got white caps and pants and shirts. But I digress. Our last take of the day belongs to Lance Zerline, who's a good friend of the show. He's actually on the show. And uh, he's one of the guys I have the utmost respect for in the industry. But he did have an interesting take regarding Ed Oliver. And it seemed like uh, he had some basis on this based on some feedback from some teams, which is interesting. I believe Ed Oliver should garner some consideration at inside linebacker. At Teddy Bruschi was an absolute dog as a pass rusher, and he was undersized. The Pats thought outside the Bucks and hit a home run. Ed is smaller than he's listed, but he's twitchy and instinctive. I think inside linebacker is possible. Yeah, I think, you know, look, there's this caused a stir with a lot of different reactions. The reason we're bringing this up is a lot of people asked us to, and so we wanted to to uh, appease that request. I think this is a really good opportunity for people to learn and understand how to have good discussions about ideas. And what you have to do here is it, your, your knee-jerk reaction is probably to say, what the, what the hell are we talking about? Uh, Ed Oliver's a defensive tackle. He's a dynamic gap shooter and can really penetrate and – there's no way I'm playing him off the ball where he's never played before. And Teddy Bruschi was way smaller. And we have, you know, Ed Oliver's probably going to be 6'1", 275, and nobody knows what to do with that. Like, take a step back and try to maybe learn from Lance and why he, he put this together and put this idea out there. Now, with that said, I don't agree with it. I, I want Ed Oliver on the line of scrimmage. His leverage, his ability to torque and twist around contact and, and just get into the backfield is something that I really value. And I'm not necessarily going to try to – undertake that that project of pushing a guy off the ball and having him play as an inside linebacker maybe if, if, if you're running a true three four you know 10 or 15 years ago where you had that one dude that's just a downhill just take on contact play into the line of scrimmage but never really has to like play in space but that's not today's nfl man these middle linebackers they have so much on their plate and coverage that i just don't feel like n oliver is going to be a player that i want doing that i want him in an attacking role on the interior but again, take this as an opportunity to learn and not just pounce on the on the concept. Have good discussions and try to learn from each other. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I disagree with the proposition for Ed as well. Uh, do I think there are some limitations in Ed's skill set because of his stature and potentially his length and his size? Absolutely. I think it is a concern, but that just makes him – what I I like to call a non-universal fit, right? Like he's he's not a universal player. He's not going to be be a player that every team can look at and say, yeah, absolutely, this is a guy that we want. Like not everybody's style of play is going to be conducive to uh, Ed Oliver and and what he's able to do at the point of attack as far as stacking up blocks and if he's facing double teams, but he's you know, met with quickness. How does he get off of those blocks? Like. It's a complicated proposition, right? So um, I do think what's best for for Ed is to keep his hand in the dirt and just really encourage him to uh, get hip to hip. Do not sit and play at the line of scrimmage. You have to get into the line of scrimmage and then kind of redirect and, and find the football. 
Um, but if, if this is a thing that we're going to make with Ed Oliver, I cannot wait to hear what people are, are suggesting to do with Draymond Jones from Ohio State. Because <laughs> this, yeah. this dude might be 260. Like, he's, he's super lean. And unlike Ed, uh, plays on the interior. He's not actually 260, but he's also very undersized. And this dude gets whitewashed in the run game. Not even against double teams, like head-up blocks, gets blown away. What's the value of a player there? Because that's a player some people are going to sit here and try and tell you are a first-round player, which I disagree with vehemently. But um, I'll be interested to hear what the creative ideas are for Draymond Jones because he's a great athlete. He's got a great first step. But I don't know what you do with him as far as putting his hand in the dirt and playing him at the line of scrimmage on the interior. I'm with you. With you, brother. Folks, that's a wrap. We are going to get this thing in in just under 30 minutes, which we're stoked about. We like to keep it short so you guys can get on with your days. Thanks, as always, for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. Come back. We're going to do start doing scouting reports again this week, uh, starting tomorrow for uh, prospects for 2019. If you have any requests, you can hit us up on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at Grinding the Tape. As always, thanks for listening. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.